0: Yo, what's going on? This is LG underscore Jackson, and we are back without Spence this week, but it is okay. We are back. We were not here last week. I know y'all missed us. I know y'all wanted to see us, but y'all could have saw us if you would have followed us at the Highly Advised Podcast advise highly on Twitter, highly advised podcast on Instagram, and everywhere else. How are you doing? I'm
1: doing good, man. What's up, listeners? If you haven't recognized the voice yet, this voice right here is the great tribal chief himself. Make sure you acknowledge me 24-7. Um it's your boy, Lau Shea, big Cozy, Too Cozy. I'm here checking in for another opposite. Awesome episode of the Highly advised
0: Episode 110. And hopefully we could give you guys a cool show. How have you um what have you been doing this week? You know, just been chilling out, listening to new music, um, you know, what's been going on? What's the update for the listeners? We haven't been here for for a couple of weeks, they haven't seen us, you know.
1: Yeah. Um the past the past week, past two weeks, I guess, since we missed last week, they've been it interesting, just maintaining. Um I guess just getting ready for school for everybody. For me, I already started my new semester of college. Um senior in college, listener, so I'm I'm almost done. Just got a couple more semesters, then I'm out of out of there. Um uh, out of the game for good. Yeah, out of for the game out of the game for good. Daughters about to start school soon. So yeah, that's just what we got going on at home. Just you know, every, business as
0: usual, essential. Essentially, excuse me. Okay, um, not too much has been going on for me. I made the move. Obviously, you got new backgrounds, new beginnings. As some people have been saying. Congratulations! It's been cool. Um, I like my place. You know, you you came over here a few times. You saw what I'm dealing with. You know. Yeah, yeah. You have yeah. any um words to describe my new place for the listeners? Mm, listen, I would say it's it's a.
1: It's a nice place, nice neighborhood. I would like to say it's very personal uh, for Nat Nigel. Like it's a personal spot for him, so it could really, it really feels like it's him. Um, a friend, a friend of ours said that Nigel's probably living more or less of like a bachelor now, with how everything is set up and all that. So, shouts out to him, and yeah, it's it's. It's, it's a
0: good move for Nigel. So what new music have you been listening to in the past couple of weeks? I know like a lot of things have been coming out that we haven't had the chance to talk about on the podcast yet. Well, there has been quite a few
1: stuff. Um, Nothing like super, Hey, you must listen to it, but there's, there's some gems that was dropped over. Uh, the past couple weeks for me once the first one I'm going to bring up is Mayhem Lorenz and Derringer's project, the black Vladimir, I believe that was called. And I liked it. I thought it was good from what I heard. It's solid. I definitely want to give it um, a couple more listens, but what I heard from it, I think it's a great combination. I wonder if Derringer is going to start doing more, um, collaborative albums, which I think he should because he's a good producer. Shout out to Mayhem Loren. I do like his music, so I thought that was a solid project. Um, Dash, he dropped something new too. Um, For the listeners who are not Dash is kind of early 2010s rapper. He kind of came around the time where ASAP Rocky and the ASAP Mob started getting popular, started getting buzz. Dash was he was kind of more or less of affiliate than a um than an actual member of the mob because he was around ASAP Yams, Rant Retch, and all the other guys. Um he's also Dame Dash's nephew, I believe, I wanna say that. So he just dropped a, a project recently with, a I want to say, a UK artist named Sonny Jim. Sonny Jim is not on the project rapping, but he produced the project. So it's it's a nice little project. Actually, I have to
0: actually look up the the, the name of the project because I can't remember off top of the head. But It's crazy it, that Sonny Jim actually produced the project because I thought that he was um just a, like solely a rapper. I didn't even know he was a producer.
1: Yeah, I mean, shout out to that. That's cool. That just shows that goes to show that some of these artists that's more like on the underground level, they're, they're versatile. Not only they're rapping, they're getting into the side of production, making beats. Also, some of them are like A&Rs, you know, kind of putting together shit, but the project of dash and sunny Jim is called between the lines. So shouts out to those guys. Um, yeah. Pierre Bourne, what were you going to say?
0: Well, I was about to say you didn't mention it, and I know we didn't talk about it, but Larry June put out a project recently, and I was listening to that. Well, we we kind of
1: talked about it on the last podcast, "Spaceships in the Blade." Spence uh, okay. and I, Spence and I, we already commented on that, and we kind of we gave our thoughts on that. Um, oh yeah, I, I took a listen. It was okay. yeah,
0: yeah, okay. So that's your thought on it, "Spaceships on the Blade." Well, um, it just makes me excited for the Alchemist project, just because of Bre- "Breakfast at Monaco." I really enjoy that song.
1: Well, I was going to mention Pierre, but I'll hold off on him since you mentioned Alchemist. We could kind of talk about the Rock Marciano Alchemist project, the Elephant Man's Bones. Um, I listened to it more than once because I, 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 I like Rock Marciano. I, I've been liking him for some years now, since the early tens when I first discovered him. Um, I think. The element elephant's Man's Bones is not my favorite Rock Marciano project. Despite the Alchemist exclusive production, it's just, I just think there's a lot of songs on there that kind of sounds the same. And there's also a lot of songs where it just sounds like Alchemist made a beat and Rock Marciano is like kind of, he's not rapping on beat a lot. It's more or less of he's rapping his fly shit and he's saying some unique and clever things, which I fuck with. That's why I like him. I just don't feel like the, the, the production and the rapping mesh well together on this one particular project. There were some songs on there. I did like, and there were some songs in there. I I definitely will go back and and listen to and stuff, especially if I'm just, or if I just, if I'm driving and I want something, if I just want something like smooth and mellow to come on, come on through the car, but for those people, especially like on Twitter or whatever hip hop spaces you could find online that were saying like, this is a for sure contender of album of the year. I just, dis- I just disagree. I don't think this album was good enough to be considered album of the year compared to some other projects that are being considered album of the year. I just don't feel like this fits that bill. Now, doesn't me that i think rock marciano is trash i definitely don't think the alchemist is trash i just don't think this project was hidden for me
0: i i listened to this project when you were playing it and we were hanging out and i was just like you know to me personally i'm just not a fan of rock marciano like that and it's i'm just not really a fan of his rap and th- that's just what it is i'm just i just don't like the way it sounds so i feel like whenever I hear it It for me, more or less, I'm listening to it for the beats just because I'm just not personally the biggest fan of Brock Marciano, just his rapping style. It's just not, it's just not enjoyable to me, you know? And I know people like him, but for me personally, I just disagree. And it's not because I think he's trash. Like you said, like he can put words together and I know what he's talking about. I actually think he's actually pretty good at what like some of the uh, wordplay he does have, but I just don't like listening to him rap.
1: And, and, and that's fair. You know, you have everybody, I mean, that's the beauty of music. Not everybody's going to like the same exact thing. Uh, If everybody likes the same thing, it would be gray. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not upset at that. You're not going to like everybody. And like with me, I don't like everybody that you fucking like. But um, what I will say though is I know that you didn't fuck with the rock Marshall project. Did you fuck with the Pierre Bourne project? Uh, speak of a, another
0: devil that, I, that <laughs> I'm just devil, not a fan of. <laughs> just not a person. He had to be a devil. I'm No, I'm not the biggest fan of Pierre Bourne's uh, actual music that he puts out as an artist, but I do think he's a great producer. Um, I, I think that as an artist, to me, he's just... At the moment right now, I don't like the music he's making. To me, it just sounds kind of... Like, hey, I can get this from somebody else if I really some- wanted something that sounds like that. There are people who, will make- who are making this music that I would rather listen to than Pierre Bohr at the same time. But that being said, his beats are always great to me. So I do enjoy that. So
1: this, I think this is where we disagree. And once again, you have the right, or any listener or viewer that's watching, that will be watching this on YouTube, that you have the right to not like Pierre And all that stuff far as an artist's perspective. And that's fair. I I can understand that he's not gonna be for everybody to perform his music. But um for me, I never looked at Pierre as a rapper. I never really tried to categorize him with the other artists that kind of make similar music, like for example, Trippy Red, Playboy Cardi, Lil Yachty, Lil' Uzi. I never try to categorize him in those things because yes. They all use auto-tune and sometimes they can get in habits of singing. I just think that I've heard Lil Yachty, Lil' Uzi, Playboy Cardi, and Trippy Red actually try to rap at points. Yes, their biggest songs are not them rapping, but if you listen to their projects, you hear like they have tried rapping through you know, sometimes in their projects. Pierre, on the other hand, this dude just sings. And so I've come to accept that. When I first started hearing him, I was like, he's not really a rapper. He's more or less of a singer on rap beats, essentially. And of course, you know, all the beats he's he's performing on, those are his beats. And of course, he kind of changed the game with his production because there's more, there's a lot of his sound going on right now. So shout out to Pierre. Now, as far as the album or project that he just dropped, it's called Good Movie. I listen to it, and it's not my favorite Pierre project, but there's there's some beats on there where I'm like, oh, I like the beats. And because of that, it kind of makes me like the song more because I'm not expecting, once again, like I said, the dude's a singer. I'm not expecting um, some world-renowned lyricism from him. I'm expecting for him to sing on these songs. If the beats hit, then that's cool. So I think, and and this is my last opinion on, on Pierre, I'm going to definitely listen to the next Pierre Bourne project whenever he decides to drop it. I just think that if people can accept that, Hey, he's more or less of r and B singer type artist, or you can even say pop. If you're more comfortable with that, I think you, you will accept not you specifically, Nigel, because I know you're just not a fan of him, but for listeners in general, you might, you're going to be able to accept him a lot more once you know what it is. It's like, when you're listening to like Chippy Ram play Cardi, Uzi and Yachty, if you're expecting them to be like New York style rappers where they're rapping, like maybe like a Jim Jones, Jay-Z or, or any kind of echelon of New York rapping, then you're shooting yourself in the foot to begin with, because that's not those type,
0: that's not these type of artists. So I'm going to give them more of a chance. I'm going to give it a, like an actual fair lesson. And I'm going to try and give a, a better critique of it and, you know, see if I actually grow to it a little bit fair enough fair enough now there's one more
1: album that that came over that i think um it came over the weekend that we should uh talk about but uh before we actually get to, i want to kind of switch it up a little bit and talk and and ask you about your thoughts on uh on the probably the most popular video that I released over the weekend Kendrick Lamar's we cry together video now listeners there is an actress that's in the song Um, she's not necessarily a a female rapper but I thought she did a great job and she I think this song is what it is because you have her included as well Um, Nigel what's your thoughts on it and also if you could let the listeners know who the actress is
0: I actually don't know the actress's name I'm not going to lie I would assume it's the same actress from the album if you get like it, it is, it okay. is. Yeah, I'm about, I'm about to look it up. as a word, Cause I don't want to disrespect her. No, I understand. So yeah. pretty much when I was watching the video, I thought it Taylor was Taylor cool. page. Shouts Thank out to you. Taylor page. Shouts out to Taylor page. I was watching the video and it was them pretty much acting out the song. Like it was a play. That's what it reminded me of. If it was like a box play and I thought it was cool to see that acted out like that. You don't really see that a lot. I think one thing that's kind of missing in today's music realm is just videos and like really good creative videos yeah. and that's that's different like maybe there is somebody out there doing that but that's i would say the first time in a long time if ever we've seen a big artist do a video like that where they're acting it out like it was like off of a stage play or something like that yeah i yeah. thought it was creative and i enjoyed it
1: uh, i like that too i agree with you one, I like the song. I think the song is a song that a lot of people can kind of relate to. Even if you don't relate to it from beginning to the end of how the song and video displays it, there's certain parts in there that I feel like a lot of people can relate to. Some people could relate to everything. But there's <laughs> there's something in if 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 listeners, if you've been in relationships, with with partners before, or even just one serious relationship, there's going to be a coming point in time where there you will have disagreements and arguments with your significant other. Some people, their disagreements and arguments are more loud and brash than others. But this video kind of, you can't tell me that no one could relate to this video. I feel like this rela- video is very, in the song, is very relatable to, to uh, society today. Uh, I, like once again, I thought Taylor Page was like a key point to me in this song because this is something that you know Kendra can do. Kendra could have grabbed any female um rapper. I just think it worked well with Taylor Page. She hey, we have an actress
0: playing a role and she did a she did a great job, in my opinion. Now, the last album you were talking about before we had talked about that was the DJ Khaled album, God Did. And yeah. I listened to the majority of this album and honestly in my opinion, it just seems like it, it's weird. I listen to this album and I'm like, okay, like I don't feel like there's much artistry in this album. It felt like, hey, I'm getting people you know to make songs that you're gonna listen to because you know these people, and we're gonna put it out. And here, here's how it is. And I know this has kind of been said over like the last few reviews of this album. Like it just kind of feels like eh, and that's honestly kind of the way I feel about it. It's like not much to it. Like it's just kind of like. You know, it is what it is. You know, it, it's a DJ Khaled album at this point. I feel like it, it's cool. But people talk more or less about the Jay-Z verse that was on the song God Did. Yeah. And that verse was good. Um, I liked it. I thought it was really good. You hear Jay-Z just talking his shit, only shit that he can talk at this point, just because of what he was actually saying. But, you know, I, I think if any reason to l- listen to the album, it'd be for that song particularly.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm going to repeat this. Yes your sentiments on it but in my own way i think the album is is pyramid i think the album (laughs) yeah i don't think the album is good i it sounds like a commercial mainstream you um what's that fucking what are those uh series of albums and cds back in the day that they used to uh show on commercials. It's not kids,
0: bop. It's like, now this is music or
1: whatever. Yeah. Some, some bullshit along a lot of that. That's what DJ, this DJ Khaled album sounds like. It just sounds like the bunch, all the top artists coming together on cliche beats and cliche song tropes. And I don't like it. I don't think it's authentic. It just sounds very manufactured. And, there are, uh, there are a couple songs on there. Like, for example, God Did, that's a good song, and me personally, I think that should have been a Jay-Z song. You could have done without the Rick Ross and Lil Wayne. You could put those two verses on any other song on this album, and they they would have been fine. Uh, Jay-Z did a great job on that song, so shouts out to that song, God Did. And believe it or not, an underrated sleeper song on there was the one with Quavo and Takeoff. Because listeners Nigel and I and probably Spence might agree too. the couple songs that they've been putting out recently have not been hidden. it just sounds kind of mid. we don't glorify it hey these just aren't good songs and for them to come out with the, the song that they did on the, the Khaled project and I want to give respect to, to their effort and I'm going to find the song it's called Party with will take Takeoff they have a um, a unique sample on there Um, Party
0: All Time by Eddie Murphy
1: yeah, by Eddie Murphy. Yep, and th- which is a song, by the way, which is kind of funny on on its own. But the fact that they took that sample and they and they made it work to th- their style of rapping and stuff, I just thought that it was, hey, this song is actually not that bad. So, shouts out to those two for that because we both we already know currently what's been going on with Quavo and Takeoff, where it's kind of like, hey they're kind of doing the uncle few thing. And then the third member of the Migos who might not be part of the Migos officially anymore. Offset is kind of doing their own thing. So how do you feel about Quavo and takeoffs current music run compared to offsets current music run and the issues that he's been, that he's been dealing with behind
0: the scenes. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? Because you have that song, Party, which is actually a decent song. Probably one of the better songs off of that project. But then you have other songs that they put out as Unconfused that they were kind of, you know, uh, previewing for a little bit. And when I actually heard those songs, I was kind of like, eh, to me, it's just not for me, you know? So, you know, I hear about this whole situation with Offset and him essentially wanting to get off QC or, you know, buying his way off of QC. Which I think that was kind of an interesting move, seeing as uh he he essentially is trying to do his own thing. He had features from Money Bag Yo, um you know a couple other people if I'm not mistaken. I think he had a song with Trippy Red, right? Yeah. You know, recently, so like he seems like he's really trying to branch off and do his own thing. Now me personally, uh I think that's good for Offset. I think Offset's actually pretty good at making music. I I personally like his music solo. If I were to compare his solo music to the other two, you know, yeah. Um, but I feel like it's a little weird seeing it go on at the same time, because I feel like the Migos as a whole don't have problems with each other. But I feel like there's a lot of business that's getting in the way right now.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with that. The, I think the, the behind the scenes issues and drama is what's kind of overshadowing the the Migos current landscape of of music and what they're trying to do. Um, us as consumers and listeners and and that enjoy the music we, I think that for us, I think the expectations are gonna kind of be shifted differently now, because like, hey, our outside his own and some some people like me you and I may be like, hey, we have you know we're expecting him to do good on his own, so we might tune in to see how it really is. And then there's other people that might be like, well, you know, the group is done. Their music is, you know, their music was never good to begin with, and a, this and a third. So I feel like this is a real turning point for all three members of Amigos' career, especially Offset, since he's going solo, solo. And we're going to see if um if he's going to be able to capitalize it and pull off something like his last two songs that he put out or three, I guess, because the one with Trippy Red. They're not terrible songs. They're okay songs, but I think the problem with them is they sound too much like their are esque songs. And I think Offset needs to evolve his game and get away from the Migo-sounding type songs. Quavo, Takeoff, it is what it is. You got two or three out of the Migos, so their music is going to sound more or less Migos-like right extension of culture three but offset this is an opportunity to be like a totally different artist i'm not saying that he needs to start singing more or whatever like that but if he could just really make hey this is offset music i think that will really benefit him his issues with qc and all that shit like that hopefully that shit gets patched up i know that there's some tension right now between him and his his former uh Head of the label, but at the same time, far as like just the music perspective, you just hope that great music could
0: come out of it. What I will say is that Offset does have a good song that was produced by Baby King. And I feel like we didn't give Baby Keem a lot of credit for his album, but that song that he produced is a good song. You know, I yeah. will say that. You know, that's that's one of the good songs that Offset has put out in the last few weeks. Yeah I, yeah, I I I agree with you on that too. Now, like with other record label business going on we had a little story that happened a couple of weeks ago it's it's weird because with all of the ar and vr things that are going on capital records decided to come out with an artificial intelligence artist called fn mecca and a lot of people were upset because some of the first things that are um F, fn mecca did was say the n-word and get beat up by police now mind you this is a fake um artist that doesn't exist but this is what they had this artist do the first fake artist ever in this first week was saying the n-word and getting beat up by police so people obviously didn't like that so they felt that they were uh i would say i'm not even sure pandering i guess to the people i guess you would say but overall people just didn't like the look of it because i mean when you hear that it probably sounds crazy so they quote unquote cut ties with that artist by the end of the first week that it was signed and they had a list of artists that they were going to put out behind him that were actually also AI artists, but I'm not sure if that's still going to happen now or not because God knows.
1: Yeah. I right, Once I started learning about this virtual reality and artificial intelligence rapper, and I've seen like, the image of him and all that, I was like, this shit is bullshit because I look at it as like... I understand that we're going into our age of technology, so things are going to be different. But this FN Mecca dude is not even a dude; this thing because it's, it's not even <laughs> it's real. Fake, yeah, yeah. The the FN Mecca creation. What I will say is, like, they were playing snippets of his music, and I'm like, so you're gonna get a fake? You're gonna create fake? a fake artist to play music that's already out from artists that's that's either well-known or you could go on SoundCloud and discover them, right. or go on YouTube and discover them. And I said, to me, that you're kind of profiting off of the, the art of the rap game, but you're trying to control it in your own way by not paying people
0: to do the music that you're trying to um, mass-produce. Well, you saw they um, supposedly uh were like fucking the dude out of the money essentially they weren't paying the artist behind the behind the voice yeah and
1: and it was it was crazy because there it was like oh it was like two white guys that made fn manka or whatever like that and i'm just kind of like so you're going to have a artist artificial ai rapper artificial intelligence rapper who portrays to be black or not, necess- we don't we, we can't even say he's black, he's artificial intelligence you know, it's just some created 3D model you're gonna create him from two white guys and then you're gonna have him saying the N word and deal with stuff like police brutality and all that how do you expect anybody to get behind that, unless you're an ignorant, stupid kid and there's a lot of ignorant, stupid kids on social media but how do you expect people who actually take rap music seriously, I'm talking about the consumers, to get down with that? And I understand that they were already lining up this AI rapper to do features with, like, real rappers. And, of course, the real rappers might do it because they're getting paid. Right. But those rappers that are willing to do this to get paid, though, those these aren't, like, your Jay-Zs and your Nas because they're not gonna do music with a fake AI rapper. That kind of goes against what they're all saying about. But the new age rappers that love to sing on autotune and and not really rap, they're gonna do it because this age this age right now is all about getting a bag, whether you whether you sell your soul or not. Right. So I feel like this the FMEC FM idea was a terrible idea to begin from. It was 100 percent pandering to a particular set of crowd. And it was just the the labels. This is like theirs. this is their first exposure to let people know, hey, we are fucking artists. We're actually going to try to make the same music they make without them so we can keep all the money for ourselves. And I think that's it's it's I'm glad that this shit did not work out. I hope it does not work out in the future. (laughs) There's a place for AI and virtual reality and shit like that. There is. is. But this is not it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, no, nah, I thought it was bullshit. And, you know, I thought it was weird to see that go on. I thought a better example of seeing a virtual person was She-Hulk. You know, when I watched that yeah. episode this week, she was twerking with Megastallion, Stallion. And yeah. I know a lot of people online, they're going to get upset and say, like, oh, She-Hulk, she's twerking. Oh, my God, this is the MC- end of the MCU. Like, shut up, you know? Like, to yeah. all of those listeners, just shut up. Like, it, And I understand. it's a It's a weird standpoint, I guess, being an MCU fan. But at the same point in time, it's like, there's been bad comedy. And this was actually, I feel like a good show to watch. I've been enjoying the show since it came on. And I feel like people have just kind of been finding reasons to hit on it. And I'm not really a fan of that.
1: No, I I agree with you. I I think that, so listeners, I'm just going to, let me just say this. I'm not, when it comes to like comic books, Nigel, puts me onto a lot of information, a lot of characters and all that stuff. This is due to the long history that we've, that we have with each other. And he kind of exposed me to certain things in the world of comic books. So I like the MCU and stuff. And part of that is because of Nigel. If you, if, if I didn't know Nigel and I saw She-Hawk on the TV, I wouldn't give it a chance. I just don't care for it. It's not my thing, but because of, being a fan of the MCU and liking what the MCU has put out, yeah, I gave She-Hawk a chance. And She-Hawk turned out to be, for me, hey, I like this. My expectations were low, and it turned out to be, like, a show that I do enjoy. I find it a little funny. And the Make the Stallion scenes, because there was one with her in the courtroom and then the post-credit scene that everybody's crying and bitching about, that, to me, it didn't bother (laughs) me. To me, they're lighthearted segments. One of them is a post-credit scene, meaning, like, it's not even a part of the actual episode and they're lighthearted segments that do not have anything to do with the story of the show that do not have to do anything with the character of she hawk moving forward. They're just kind of like cameo Easter egg things. So like, who gives a fuck? For people, the incels mainly, and random herbs on Twitter that are saying Marvel's over, it's done, cringe, uh, these are people who sit inside the house all day behind a keyboard. These are not people that I go out there and live life and, and can understand this is a lighthearted segment. Like, who gives a fuck? So uh, the way I see it is like, shout out to She-Hawk, shout out to Meg Thee Stallion, and seeing these women twerk on the show it is fucking what it is It who cares who gives a fuck if you really did not like it and it hurt your soul broke you and cracked your spine and now you got to shower up and you know cover up and and hide yourself from from quote unquote cringe then you know eat a dick that's how I see it my thing is kind of like if you fucking did not like it ignore it and move it the fuck on. It has. Yeah. It wasn't like Megan stallion. Now is a prominent character in the she-haw show. Now you give her powers and Megan stallion. Now is, is you know, she's affecting the entire multiverse and she's in there. She's like Scarlet witch, you know, it's not, it has, it's not like that. She's just a cameo Paris character. Ha ha. he, he, you like it. Cool. If you don't like it, cool.
0: It didn't, Warrant all this hate on women. I didn't understand that. Nah, people, they got to calm down, man. Like it's, they did it in a way that worked in the show. Like she's not gonna, you know, make a difference on if the Hulk returns the Earth or not. Like you know, it's not gonna be that serious. Like it'll, it'll be okay. And I feel like a lot of people are getting like this because you know, you had a couple movies that have been bad that came out recently. movies that people didn't enjoy, like Thor, you know, people didn't enjoy that movie. I didn't enjoy that movie. And they tried to make it, you know, overly funny, but this was, this is actually kind of just like tongue in cheek. It was okay. So I think people kind of got to relax.
1: Yeah. I
0: I agree. I'm looking forward to She-Hawk episode four. So the other night Serena Williams was playing in the U S open and what everybody thinks will be her last game. She Put on a good performance, and she got eliminated in the third round of the U.S. Open. I can't remember the woman's name who she was playing at the moment, so I apologize. But essentially, I think it took about three sets to beat her. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with tennis, I'm not gonna act like I'm a tennis expert. But Serena Williams put up a good performance, and but she just couldn't get the win. Um, she's a legend. I think she's the greatest female tennis player of all time, in my opinion, because the other person that I compare her to. Um, I I just don't think she compares to Serena Williams, and I think it's it's just you know like Michael Jordan compared to anybody else in basketball. It's hard to really get past that. So, right,
1: yeah, I agree with you with that, uh with how you kind of ended that. Um, just to not disrespect the other woman that beat Serena Williams, even though everybody there at Ath Stadium was rooting for Serena, Nigel Clearly. and I, Nigel and I were rooting for Serena, but. The other woman, she, uh, you know, it is what it is. She beat her. So uh, the other woman is from Australia. Her name is Alja. Now, forgive me for mispronouncing your name because I'm not famil- familiar with the, your name or hear how you pronounce it uh, or how you prefer to be enunciated. But it's Alja Tomjanovich or novix. And once again, forgive me for that. Uh, I'm purposely not trying to butcher your name. Um, The next time, if we ever speak about this young lady, we will probably say it much better because we were trying to find out how to pronounce it. But, uh, yeah, she beat Serena. I think their match went on for about three hours. We kind of tuned out after two hours and a half because they were battling, and they were battling hard. So I think for Serena to lose, and let's say she does officially retire without having second thoughts, I think this is a good way for her to go out. Cause it wasn't like she got sweeped, swept and spanked. She she battled hard and then, you know, she at after three hour mark, you know, she just was like, Hey, I I gave him all. I just can't, you know, it is what it is. So shout out to Serena Williams, for sure a Hall of Famer, for sure an absolute legend, greatest female tennis player of all time, bar none. Some people make the argument saying she's greater than some of the men, but that once again, well, let me not say once again, cause I never said it, but I am not a tennis expert just like Nigel. So I will not sit there and argue with you back to forth. And, Back and forth and for listeners, to would be like, oh, well, you just said that she's the greatest female tennis player, bar none. And you're I said, yeah, eat a dick. I don't care. So that's like, <laughs> there's a lot of people who don't watch basketball and they know Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, you know, they're not going to sit there and try to debate with you. Oh, well, technically da, 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 da. you don't know basketball. So shut the fuck up. I can talk about it. But I'm saying that there are people out there who don't know basketball and they know that Michael Jordan, LeBron James, these are goats. You
0: know what I mean? Right. Just throwing out names. Yeah. So moving from the U.S. to Paris last night, the UFC had an event, a fight night that had a good co-main event and main event that we're going to cover today. It was interesting watching those fights. Yesterday we watched Clash at the Castle, but we did take out time to tune in into the UFC Paris event. Um, I'm just going to start off with the co-main event, which was Robert Whittaker and Marvin Vittori. Good fight for Robert Whittaker at the least. Robert Robert Whittaker went in there and dominated the whole fight. There wasn't a second of the fight that I thought he lost. He was touching Marvin up. He had him kind of rocked at one point. Yeah, he might've got hit here and there, but nothing significant. Didn't get rocked, didn't get shook. Just went in there and beat him in a 3-0 sweep. I thought it was a very impressive performance for Robert Whittaker, who's already shown himself to be good.
1: No, I agree with you, Nigel. I think the first round, a lot of people... well no, nah, I should say a lot. The first round of that fight, there were people that scored that round for Vittori. I didn't understand it. I thought it was clear for Robert Whitaker. Whatever. Second round was clear. Third round, I was debating if I should give it a 10-8 or not. I didn't. I kept it as a 10-9. But Robert Whitaker won that fight easily. It was a clean sweep to me. He took Vittorio to school. Vittorio... There was no chance of him having any significant amount of offense damage or any point where he was leading the dance or controlling the fight. Vittori got taken to school. But that being said, though, I think that Vittori proved like, hey, he is a tough out because he didn't get knocked out. You're not going to be able to walk through him. You're going to have to actually beat him like Rob and Israel Adesanya did. You can't just go in there expecting – oh, I'm just going to stop his his shots and that's it. No, you you got to actually kind of, you got to put it on him. But shout out to Robert Whitaker. He did what he needed to do. Honestly, I do not know who's next for Robert Whitaker. If Derek Brunson beats Jack Hermanson, because that fight's been uh targeted for later this year, maybe you could do, well, maybe Robert Whitaker could fight the winner of Brunson and Hermanson. I know if, if Bronson wins, it kind of, you could kind of do a main event in Australia to do the rematch between Whitaker and Bronson Cause remember when Whitaker KO'd him, knocked him unconscious. Mm. So maybe I think that's it because it's kind of hard to sell a third fight with Israel right now between it Whitaker. Is. So I think if Whitaker could get, you know, one or two more great wins and performances, I think getting that third fight would be more sellable. But right now, Whitaker needs another fight at least. So shout out to him for that.
0: I want to give Robert Whitaker a good shout out for the sneaky right that he kept on hitting him with. He was jabbing him a lot with his left, but really darting him with that right hand. And he, when he hit him with the right hand, it was like he wanted to put a statement on that every time he hit him. It was very nice to see in that fight. It was crazy watching that fight because I remember I was saying at a certain point, I was like, hey, this is clear that Robert Whitaker is just better than him on the feet he needs to actually kind of put himself in, in harm's way a little bit and maybe eat one in order to hit him because he's not going to be able to hit him just standing on the outside like that. And it's funny because we saw that and he ended up losing the decision in that fight leading into the main event. We had Ty Till Vasa versus Sorrell gone. And that fight was kind of playing out the same way for a little bit. Like the first round, I thought Sorrell gone won that fight, won that round, you know, for the majority of it. And I was just looking at it, and towards the, ra- the end of the first and the beginning of the second, we were talking to each other and we were like, hey, if Surreal Gone stands in the background like this, he's, he's going to get hit because Tito Avasa is actually going to go in there and put himself in harm's way in order to try and knock him out right? And he can. Right. You know? So see, sitting there watching that fight, tied to Avasa, surely enough, hey, at one point in time, I'm going to get in, crack him, knock him down in the second round put him on his ass so then surreal gone being the fighter that he is actually picked himself up and started attacking tied to body and he found a weakness that he kept on exploiting for the rest of the fight it was cool to see that because after he exploited that body shot he really started to pick him apart on the feet picking him apart punching him kicking him in the body kneeing him in the body and it was ended up pretty much culminating in the third round of him getting a vicious knockout on a on a counter. And he, it was just like kind of impressive to see, especially seeing that he was the only thing stopping Paris from getting the full sweep. And he ended it with like the exclamation point of all exclamation points.
1: Yeah, shouts so out to Seraghi and abasa They put on a great fight. Obviously, the fight of the night last night, and some I'm going to nominate this as a fighter of the year contender because of so much drama of what happened between rounds two and three. So I think it was it was fantastic. Will it win fighter of the year? Maybe not, but I just think it deserved on there. Everybody's talking about the fight, like how exhilarating it was. I think that. Dana White sees the dollar sign. Cyril Ghana, like I was saying last night when the fight was on, I think Cyril Ghana is kind of like Paris's, um, Anthony Joshua of boxing, his, the Tyson Fury of boxing. Like that's their guy right now. And I think that, um, you you gotta, you gotta go back to Paris and now you got a headline with Cyril Ghana. Um, I think that that fight made me be like, oh, shit, when he landed that head kick to Tatu Tuvasa, because Tatu Tuvasa was covering up the body because he was getting fucked up down there. And then once it looked like, you know, when Sarah went to go throw a kick, Tatu Tuvasa picked up on it and thought it was going to be another body kick. It turned out to be clean to the head. Now, he didn't get knocked out from it, but I was kind of like, oh, shit, it, he's, it's about to be over soon. And sure enough, it was. So... Shout out to both men, because both men, if it wasn't for Vasu trying to turn this fight into a dog fight, the fight would have could have been a snooze fest. Casero was easily outpointing him in that first round. Just taking yes, him you know, apart. Yeah. So I just think that um that was a great fight. I don't think Tatu Vasa stock drop. Of course he's gonna have to take a lesser fight in the rankings, but that's okay. You know, he needs to get he needs to get a win against a good opponent. Um Sarah gone. I think the next fight for him is Curtis blades. Now. I think that's the next big fight for him. He's not going to get the next shot at the belt. I don't care what happens. He's there's a few guys that you could tell that the UFC wants Francis to fight first. If all things go well, well, Francis contract situation, but I think it should be Sarah gone. Curtis blades next, you know, and, and, and you could do that. My bad, but you could do that main event again at another Paris fight night card.
0: I, I you could do have to give Ty to a, boss a lot of credit. That's one thing that uh, I agree with because Ty to Avassa, uh, without him really stepping in and getting that knockdown, the fight wouldn't have went where it went because it was pretty much either he was going to get picked apart because that's where the fight was just heading, or um, you know it would have happened the way it happened with them actually engaging and trying to get the knockout on each other. But that really took Ty to a because it seemed like Cyril gone for a little bit was very comfortable just chilling out. I'm gonna lay kick you here, jab you here, point fight you until fifth round and just get a decision. And yep. me, that he needed that knockout win, especially if you want to be on the road back to a title shot. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. So he he. he that was because he was, this is the last thing and we
1: we're going to move on. But that was kind of like Cyril Ghosn's biggest criticism it was kind of like, yeah, technically he's, he's the best striker at heavyweight right now. No one is striking like him. He's, no one can hold a candle to him. Even the great knockout artists, uh knockout artists between Francis Ugana, who's the current champ, they already beat Cyril Ghosn and and Derek Lewis. They couldn't have beat him striking. And Gone would beat Cyril Ghosn not through the striking. He had to beat him with wrestling. Yep. What you know? So I think like there was some criticism with Sarah, like yo, he's good, but he kind of has a history of just kind of like coasting a little bit. Tatoovasa essentially awoke in the beast,
0: you know, made <laughs> like oh shit, he can actually knock people out. <laughs> yeah. So I I was pretty happy to see that. So yeah. You know, shout out to both of them for that. So next weekend or I should say this weekend coming up because you're probably listening to this on a Thursday or Friday or Saturday or yeah. whenever you decide to listen to this podcast, we have UFC 279. Yeah. uc 279 is a decent card, but we are going to focus more specifically on two or three fights from the main card being Kevin Holland, Daniel Rodriguez, Lee Li G. Liang, Tony Ferguson, and Hamzat Tamaya versus Nate Diaz. Well, let's start with Ke- um Kevin Holland because we haven't seen him in a few months. And actually, this fight isn't even at welterweight. This is going to be a catchweight fight with Daniel Rodriguez. So I'm assuming they must have agreed to something p- prior to this fight being made.
1: I think this is a 50-50 fight. Yes, Kevin Holland is the more... Uh, popular fighter. I like Kevin Holland. I think he's a good fighter and he's, he's getting better. I think welterweight should be the weight class that he really puts all his eggs in the basket in because he's just too small. In middleweight, even though he was winning at middleweight, it's just too small for him. Um, Daniel Rodriguez. He's one of these guys where like, he's not known and he's not recognized as much, but he's actually, he's actually pretty good. He has some good wins. He's a tough out. He beat Kevin Lee which, you know, Kevin Lee is a contender, was a contender at lightweight. Um, So I think this is a 50-50 fight. If Kevin Holland gets past uh, Daniel Rodriguez, I think it's time to give Kevin Holland a real top 15 opponent at welterweight. But same thing with Daniel Rodriguez. If Daniel Rodriguez wins this fight, it's time to give him a top 15 opponent at at welterweight. Um, Or, yeah, welterweight. My opinion of who will win the fight I think it's so hard because to me, this is a pickup fight. I can see Daniel Rodriguez winning this fight by decision. I truly do. But I could also see Kevin Holland winning this fight by decision or a late finish, like a late TKO. It's this one is kind of hard, man. It's it's really hard. I want to I want to say Kevin Holland will win, but it's he's gonna win by like either decision. Or like a late TKO. I don't see him. If he if he finishes Daniel Rodriguez within the first or second round, I'll be impressed. But I think this is I think this is just a stiffer fight than what it appears on paper.
0: It's tough, man, because I agree with you in a lot of ways, especially about Daniel Daniel Rodriguez. Like I feel like people don't really know him, but he's been on the undercard kind of tearing some of these like. Uh, lower fighters up you know yeah and when you're when you're a an unknown fighter just tearing up some of these lesser ranked people it's because you need to be fighting people who are better and the only thing he hasn't done is fought fought some better people yet like, well he
1: fought kevin lee he beat kevin
0: lee well i it, mean like he but beat, I mean, it beat him convincingly more that's it st- you got to give him
1: credit for that i think kevin lee's stiff competition he's obviously he's not elite or whatever like that but he's stiff competition that's he's kevin lee was a top 10 fighter
0: Well, I'm not taking away from Kevin Lee, but I mean, like, anybody else. Like, that's one person. You know what I mean? So, like, he needs to fight more people. I think this is a fight that's in the right direction. Honestly, for both of them. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, for both of them, I agree. You know, so, like, I think that this is going to be a good fight. I give it to Kevin Holland just because he's been looking better in these last few fights. He looked really impressive in his last fight. So, I think if he is on that upward trajectory, he should be able to win this fight. Yeah, I agree. Now, the co-main event obviously one of the i'll say fan favorites of the usc tony ferguson is making i don't i don't want to say welterweight debut because i think he won the ultimate fighter at welterweight
1: and i think he won a fighter too at welterweight too before the lightweight run
0: right so so welterweight return welterweight return against lee g liang um i personally the leech but i think he's gonna lose this fight i think tony ferguson he has a little bit. I think he has a little bit more power at welterweight. I think he's gonna take shots a little bit better at welterweight, and I think that he's he's just overall better skilled than the leech. While I think the leech has knockout power, and I think that's where he would end this fight because I don't see him ending this fight on the ground. I think that on the feet, Tony Ferguson can get in and actually probably finish him in a second.
1: That's interesting because I'm actually picking the leech to to win by knockout. Oh, I yeah. think, that, yeah, I think if we're talking about. If this fight took place at the end of the year or took place, like, early next year, I would favor Tony. I think what people are kind of forgetting, well, not a lot of people, but some people, is Tony's just coming off a bad knockout. This is kind of a quick turnaround against a guy who's a contender at, at welterweight. Lee Juli- Lee, Lee Julian, excuse me, the leech. Has, uh, he's knocking on the door in the top ten at welterweights. He's a top fifteen guy. He's, of course, he got spanked by Hamza, but who, who has it, right? Right. He's a he's a top fifteen guy, at welterweight. He's knocking on the door to being a top ten. Tony coming down and fighting this kind of—it's good on paper. But at the same time, I just think that the timing and the matchup are kind of bad because the leech knocks this dude out. Now we're talking about, all right, the leech, maybe him versus Jeff Neal. Or, or I think that already happened, didn't it? And he already beat Jeff Neal. Yeah, I think he beat Jeff Neal. Jeff, exactly. I don't See, know if he
0: beats him right now, though.
1: I don't I, know. I, I don't know. And I'm not trying to speculate on oh, who right. he, who will beat. Well, I'm just talking about how far the fight is the leech has beat people. He's not going the door to be in the top 10 well to this is kind of a bad time for Tony to take stiff tests after losing three or four in a row. Right. Tony Ferguson at this point of his career is he needs to take a tune-up fight to see where he's at. This to me is not a tune-up fight. This to me is kind of like all right, we're gonna throw we're gonna continue to throw him to the wolves. And that's the the unfortunate shame of the sport. It can be brutal. And I don't think in this fight. I don't see Tony get knocked out in the first round, but in that second round, he's going to start to get hit, and the leech is going to K.O. him. I just think that right fight
0: wrong time. That's how I see this. So I'm going with the leech K.O. number uh, K.O. round two. Um, there's a correction on that. He actually didn't fight Jeff Neal, so I think we're probably thinking about somebody else. So... M- Neal Magny maybe. Yeah, it was Neal Magny. Yeah, yeah. So did he beat Neal Magny? um did he beat neil Magny? or he lost he lost to neil
1: magne okay so that's what i'm saying that's why i was trying to say like hey look if if lee julian wins his fight he could fight jeff Niels. he could fight steven thompson's he could shit he could even fight uh fucking um a a Jorge Maswell Jorge Maxwell needs a tune-up fight, which in my opinion, he does. Or or he could also fight a fucking Michelle Pierre. Like, guys knocking on the 10-door, knocking on the top 10-door type of fights. I just think that Lee Julian is not a tune-up for
0: Tony Ferguson. I think it's
1: a very stiff
0: fight for him. That's fair. So, with the main event, we have Nate Diaz versus Hamzat, or Hamzat versus Nate Diaz, however you want to put it. I think this main event is very interesting because you have a lot of people who like Nate Diaz. They think Nate Diaz is a good fighter and they enjoy his internet antics. And I think that they see him and some of the things that he does, like rocking Leon Edwards and doing things in, in the past will lead him to beat Hamzat. And for whatever reason, it seems like because they like Nate Diaz, they're forgetting that Hamzat has beaten almost all of his opponents in the first or second round outside of gilbert burns who they put on a barn burner of a fight but yeah. literally everybody else he's ran through so i don't really see how nate diaz wins this fight um i don't think nate diaz is as good as he once was i think he can still hit people on the feet and probably you know maybe Rockham's out if he's not being careful maybe even catch him in a submission if he's not being careful but that being said though that's the only way I see winning, losing this fight, I think Hamzat wins first-round TKO. Sonny, <laughs> I'm choosing
1: Hamzat first-round submission. Yeah, I think he's going to... Yes, this sport is very unpredictable. Anything could happen, right? Hence, Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. But I don't think this fight is going to be like that. I think this is going to be a mauling. I think Hobbsite is gonna take him down, trying to make a point and strangle him and submit and him. Yes, of course, this Nate Diaz. So some weird shit could always happen. This is a terrible matchup for him to go out on this contract. Awful, awful. God. I know people are like, "Oh, well, Gilbert Burns has success. Gilbert Burns is easily top five in the welterweight division. Arguably top three, depending on who you're fucking talking to." This guy, he's dropped the champion. He's dropped Hamzai. Like a Burns is a monster of a welterweight. He's he could he can be a champion. Like nobody sleep on Gilbert Burns. Nate Diaz. When has he lost? When he had when has he won a meaningful fight for credibility? And why and a, when's the last time? Yeah, he'd be Conor McGregor, but that's more like Blackbuster pay-per-view money fight. And how long ago was that? That was
0: years. Six years ago. Yeah, years. So, I mean, let's not act like that's 2022.
1: Yeah, he caught caught Leon Edwards last year, but people love to ignore the first 24 minutes of that fight. Leon was spanking him. Pillar to post. People were trying to make up these theories. Oh, Jorge Masvidal was starting to get tired in his fight. Jorge was Jorge was beating him pillar to post. Eyelid, all meat hanging from his forehead, his eyes. Doctor's like, hey, if we don't stop this, you might not be able to see anymore. Getting fucked up. So I like Nate Diaz. I think him and Nick, I, I like Nick a lot more. I think those guys are good fighters. They talk the right shit and all that, but their fan base is delusional. And I think that this fight here, Yes, Nate Diaz and Hamza may be, may be able to sell a little bit of the, the pay per view because of who they are. This fight is a showcase fight for Hamza. This is Hamza's fight to lose. In my opinion, if this fight goes to distance, this is a failure of performance for Hamza. This is a fight that Hamza should be finishing Nate Diaz in the first, second round, the absolute latest. But I'm going with a first round for submission.
0: And let's not forget, like, Nate Diaz isn't the young Nate Diaz that he was when he beat Conor McGregor years ago. He's almost, I would say, if he's not 38, he's about to be 38. So it's like, you know, he's he's not a young fighter anymore. No, he's not. Know? With a much younger, hungrier Hamzat, <laughs> you know, just on the other side, I just, I don't think it looks good for him, but that's just me.
1: Yeah, I mean it kinda it kinda is it is what it is. This is how Nate is accepted this fight. He really wants to get out of his contract, and some people theorize he wants to get out of his contract because he wants to fight a particular man named Jake Paul. Now, listeners, we all three of us, Spence included, are not Jake Paul fans on the podcast we give him credit for actually stepping in a ring and actually trying out boxers. Cause there's a lot of shit. A lot of people won't do that. Um, so we give him credit there and we actually give him credit of like, Hey, yo, he's a celebrity guy. That's boxing. You know, that's, we don't have a problem with celebrity boxers. We have a problem with people who talk shit about, they could beat the pound for pound bests in the world. And when it comes time to kind of sell their case that they could do that, They're boxing against people who have no business being in the ring. Well, all that could kind of change with this next rumored fight for Jake Paul with him versus Anderson Silva. That may go down in October. A little history, listeners. Jake Paul was supposed to originally fight Tommy Fury. What? At the top of August or something like that? Something like that. He was supposed to fight Tommy Fury because they had, like, you know, this little beef. Tommy Fury is not good himself, but he's eight and as a boxer. So that was kind of like the selling point. Well, us at the Highly Vice podcast, we didn't knock that. We thought, like, this is a good test for Jake. He's actually fighting a boxer. Yeah, it's a low level boxer, but that's what it should be. Let's see where his career is going to go. The shit with Tommy didn't work out. So now, kind of, now that fight is a shambles. Now here comes a guy that Jake actually sparred before named Hassim Rockman Jr., the son of the former heavyweight champion. Now, now there was a selling, at first people were kind of like, Oh, this guy's just brought in to stare at the lights. You know, he's, he's brought into job. The next thing once they started revealing more about Hassim Rockman, it was kind of like, Oh, he kind of was tuning up in the, in the sparring and he kind of, and he handicapped himself. And then Hassan kind of, you know, kind of exposed to Jake Paul, hey, look, I was only brought in to help him, not really beat him up, but he didn't really do that great either with the handicaps of the You know, Jake is solid, but let's not let's not make it seem like he's already a world champion ready. He's not. He, he, he hasn't even fought a boxer to begin with. So as that fight was building up, a lot of analysts and a lot of people were predicting, hey, man, I don't know after going deep diving into Hassan's career, he looks like he's going to knock Jake out. Well, that fight fails there. The reason being is because Hassan couldn't make way all this controversy bullshit, da-da-da-da. So now Jake doesn't have a fight in August. Fast forward to now October, where he could potentially fight Anderson Silva. Now, once again, people are going to be like, people are hopping on giving credit to Jake, as I'm going to give credit to Jake. He's fighting somebody who has boxed. Yes, Andrew Silva is 40-something years old. He's now in the prime of his MMA career, but Anderson Silva is 3-0 in boxing after his retiring from MMA. He beat a former world champion, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who is a bum, but for Anderson Silva in his old age, that's impressive. He beat another bum on a Floyd Mayweather exhibition bout, and then he knocked out Tito Ortiz in another fucking glorified uh squash. So uh the way I see it is this is a step up a competition for Jake Paul, and this is good for him. Because if he beats Anderson, all right. Now you you know you step up his competition once again. If he doesn't beat Anderson, the 15 minutes of fame is over. So obviously, listeners, we don't know if the the fight is official, or whatever, but it's been rumored, a bunch of boxing uh, media sites and MMA sites that cover the sport, um, they've already put it out there. It's all over Twitter, da 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 And essentially, everybody's just waiting for the official announcement. And if I had to go make a quick prediction right now, and I'm going to let you speak, Nigel, because I know I've been speaking a minute on it, just trying to give the listeners a backstory on the shit, is I think Anderson Silva beats him. I'm not going to say knockout. I just think Anderson Silva beats him. Um, if Jake Paul wins, it's good for Jake Paul. He did. He, you know, this is a. It'll be a good win, and I'm not going to take it from him. I, that means beating Anderson Silva means hey, you should start fighting. Competition a little stiffer, but we'll see. What do you think on the whole situation, and who do you think will win?
0: Uh, I think that Anderson Silva will win, but I think it is a step up in competition, even if it's slight, because at the end of the day, Anderson Silva, while he might not be a boxer, he is a proven striker in MMA, so it's like, okay, you know, let's see what you can do with this. Now, that being said, I don't think you can really give him too much stripes for knocking out Tito Ortiz in a boxing fight, but we've seen what he can do, right, because we know who Anderson Silva is. I want Anderson Silva to win just because I think a lot of Jake Paul's antics are his antics but you know I think this is uh if he wins this fight then I think we see what happens with Nate at the end of the year which I think that's a fight that's going to be made regardless if he wins or loses his last fight in the UFC
1: and my yeah in my opinion I think you could do the Nate fight regardless with Jake Paul the only the only reason I say his 15 minutes of him is up with the end is the silver loss so if he gets it. Is okay. He can't really compete against somebody who's who can actually fight. Yeah. He's but if you want to do a celebrity contest, which was him, that's what it should have been for from the beginning. He's a celebrity boxer, then you could you could sell that name fight. Right. But he's saying there he could be Canelo, he could be Floyd. Like, that's what we all hate. Exactly. That's what we're 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 vehemently
0: disagreeing with. So. I don't know it's gonna be interesting to see it's only what a month away so i'll be watching it i won't be paying for it i can tell you that but i will be watching it so
1: yeah, uh, maybe maybe we'll have like a family member or friend out they'll, they'll they'll buy the
0: fight and we'll check it out or uh, go to a bar or something like that yeah. but Yeah. yeah. Nah, i'm not interested in doing that but um unfortunately right before we started the podcast this morning we had heard some bad news and i just read up a lot a little bit more about it recently um the r- battle rapper pat stay has unfortunately passed away he was stabbed this morning and uh yeah that's we don't know really too much about it it's kind of happening like at, as we're recording it we're kind of hearing more about it it's just very sudden and unfortunate that that happened and he was a very funny comedic uh battle rapper and I, I know that you know especially in the canada circuit he was well known so it's very unfortunate just to hear that news
1: yeah RP past day um I was entertained from the battles that I've seen him partake in um it was very interesting to see him battle people from the URL or smack and all that it just and seeing him put on entertaining uh performances I guess you would that's a good thing to say or or, or entertaining battles is a better thing to say I, I just goes to show like the guy, you know, he was decent enough to compete at the at the most popular league in America or promotion in America. Um shouts out to to Pat Stay's um friends, family, supporters, definitely uh recipes, definitely uh cordless. It's very unfortunate that somebody that a lot of people liked has
0: um, passed away due to unfortunate violence. Um, Do you have anything else to say to the listeners this week?
1: The only thing I have to say is make sure you follow us at the highly advised podcast on Instagram, Mm. advise highly on Twitter Mm. and make sure you subscribe to us. Uh, at the highly advised podcast on YouTube. Make sure you for sure comment, like subscribe, tell a friend, check out our YouTube videos. Even if he just fucking just chilling out, picking your nose on the couch, just have it running in the background and you're helping us out. And we want to help y'all out by giving good content, something that can make your day uh, a lot more
0: brighter than what it currently is. Leave comments so we can know what you like, dislike, what you hate, what you love, also, if you want to see more She-Hulk content, I am on another podcast called The Media Marvels. Me and my friend Bosh go through all types of Marvel content, and we have another episode coming out soon, I'm sure. Whenever you listen to this, uh, check us out. I think you'll enjoy that. Um, otherwise, you've been highly advised. We will see you guys next
1: time. Yep, that's right. You've been highly advised. Shasha.